morning. Today's reading is from James chapter 1, starting at verse 19. Listening and doing. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror, and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Thanks be to God. Good morning, all. Good to see you all this morning, and I've clocked most people that have come in, but there's, as I look now, I can see some faces that I haven't seen just yet, so that's wonderful. Look forward to catching up with you, hopefully, afterwards. Now, for those of you that weren't here last week, uh, as you may have guessed, we're looking at the book of James, and I just want to give you a brief recap um, on James. So, When we talk about James, we're reckoning it's the half-brother of Jesus who wrote this. He was one of the key leaders in the church in Jerusalem. And this letter that he writes goes out to those Jewish believers, those those Jews that believed that Jesus was the Messiah, who had been scattered across the known world at that time. He's reaching out to them to encourage them in their faith. And you may remember that the Bible project said that James is like a beautifully crafted punch in the gut for those who want to follow Jesus. So for me, the reason for doing James at the beginning of the new year is I believe James is like a spiritual detox. It's a spiritual detox for the new year and it helps us to get back on track with God and back on track with one another. And you'll see this theme through James about loving God, loving one another, and how those two things need to correspond. So chapter one, which we're finishing today, we had the first part last week, the second part this week. Chapter one is basically an introduction, almost an overview of what's to come in chapters two to five. So it touches on many of the themes that we're going to be exploring in more detail over the next few weeks. So the second part of chapter one primarily concerns listening and doing. And so James starts this section by saying, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Now, when anyone says take note of this, that means you've got to remember this one. It's important, okay? And he says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. He gets straight to his point, no messing about, straight to it. And I'm sure that none of us have any problems listening, holding our tongue, or our temper. But before we begin to explore this beautifully crafted punch in the gut, 
I just want to take us back a moment, just take a step back for a moment. I want you to think how he starts this section. What does he say? Before he gets to the advice, he says, my dear brothers and sisters. Here and elsewhere in the letter, to these scattered believers, James wants to remind them that however far apart they are, whatever trials and temptations they are going through, they are brothers and sisters in Christ. They are God's family. And not just brothers and sisters as though it's a fact and nothing more. Because let's be honest, those of us that do have brothers and sisters, we don't always love them. We get annoyed with them, frustrated with them. Yes, we do. Okay? But he says, dear brothers and sisters, those whom James dearly loves. In other translations, it says, beloved Now, do you remember what I said last week about discipline? I said, discipline without love is an awful thing. Discipline with love is a life-giving thing. The words that James brings us are not easy to hear, let alone do. But we remember the words of Hebrews 12 again. No, discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful later on however it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it you see James is disciplining us out of love for our good keeping us accountable in love because we are family we are Christ's body And we all know that if one part of our body is poorly, the whole body suffers. We've talked about that when we looked at the Psalms, body, mind, soul, we're all interconnected as one. And so if one part of our body hurts, we go to the doctor, we look to be healed. And James, like a doctor, is giving us some advice on how to stay healthy, how to live into the fullness and wholeness that Jesus wants for us. Not just for ourselves, although it is for us individually, but for us as a family. Because so much of this teaching is about relationship. It's not about isolation. It's about relationship with God and with one another. It's for the whole body. Now, with that in mind... Let's now try and tackle some of this sage advice. So how many of you are uh, quick to listen and slow to speak? Hands up if that's you this morning. Go on, Carol, straight in there. Straight in there with the hands up. She's looking, going, why am I the only one holding my hand up? <laughs> Good on you, Carol. I, I love the fact that you're quick to listen and slow to speak. That is brilliant. We need more of you. That's what James is telling us. Um, how many of you, though, have um, what I would call shoe-shaped mouths? Because you keep putting your foot in it. Yeah? Mine's a bit shoe-shaped. Oh, this advice from James is so good, isn't it? And yet it's so difficult. 
particularly for those of us who speak first, think second. Any of us out there? Yeah. Now, through my ministry as a youth worker and then a, and a pastor, I have learned how important and yet underestimated listening is. Tie that in with marriage, and yeah, that lesson has been drummed home all the more. You see, more often than not, when I am slow to listen and quick to speak, no matter how good my intentions, it often has more to do with my stuff than it does the person who is trying to talk to me. How many of us only half listen to people because we have our mind on something else? Perhaps that's happening right now. (laughs) Perhaps you're going, what did he say? (laughs) You're thinking about, you know, what you're having for lunch. You're thinking about the score of the game that you're missing on the TV or what you're facing tomorrow. You know, I get it. We all do it. I'm not going to take it personally. It's just when you talk to me next time, I might not be listening. (laughs) Or perhaps, perhaps your brain is hardwired to solve problems. And so you're half listening to what they're saying because all the while you're formulating a response, a solution. Perhaps you even butt in before they finished. I wonder if any of this is ringing true to anyone. Again, this might be done with good intentions, but it's not listening. And I, I must admit, not that we want to get into gender stereotypes, but men particularly aren't very good at that one of jumping in and trying to find solutions instead of listening. Kate despairs with me when she can see I'm not truly listening to her. And once, and I have said to her, I'm telling, telling you this, and once when she challenged me about this, I joked with her saying, well, my love, you say so many things. I have to filter it a bit. She wasn't happy with that response. I think that approach is called selective hearing. And I know I'm not the only one guilty of it. But James is encouraging us not to tune out or filter or jump in too quickly. What he's encouraging us to do is what we now call active listening. Hands up if you've heard that phrase before. Active listening, yeah, yeah. Now, this is a phrase that's used generally within pastoral and counselling spheres and sometimes in the business world too, which encourages us to go beyond simply hearing the words of another, but seeking to understand them, giving our full attention to them, like you're doing now to me. Active listening techniques include, and if you have pen and paper, I would encourage you to write these down, for they may help you greatly in different situations. Active listening techniques include being fully present in the conversation, i.e. not daydreaming, showing interest by practicing good eye contact, but don't like stare without blinking. That freaks people out. Um, Noticing and using non-verbal cues like nodding. Try not to wink too much. Asking open-ended questions to encourage further responses. 
paraphrasing and reflecting back what has been said. So after the service, I will be asking you what I said in the sermon. Listening to and understanding rather than to respond. And without holding judge, without withholding judgment and advice, unless asked for it. Now, all I have to do is apply this to my marriage and I should be golden. In fact, if we all apply these advice, this advice to each and every situation we find ourselves in with people, you know what? I think things will go well. I think they'll go better than they probably do. Now, good advice is really easy to hear, isn't it? But it's not always easy to do. And some of us are stubborn, if we're honest. Um, I had a knee injury and I've continued to injure that same knee because I've done stupid things um, and tried to do more than I can. I got given exercises by the doctor, which I did in the first week and I haven't continued to do them. So I can't complain if it starts hurting again. Good advice is easy to hear. It's not always easy to do. James is imparting this wisdom to us, this discipline in love, because he wants us to become perfect like our heavenly father, like Jesus, whom we follow. God wants the best for us. He wants to restore fractured people, which is what we all are, and make us whole. And so James also warns us to be slow to anger. Do you remember last term when we were looking at God has a name? We were looking at Exodus chapter 34, when God reveals himself to Moses. And you remember when God is revealing himself, he says that he's slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. And that phrase, slow to anger, in the Hebrew, do you remember what it means? Go on, someone shout it out, be brave. Yes, well done. Active listening, well done, people. You, you heard, long nostrils. It means long of nostril. It means that patience, you know, when you count to 10 and then some, where you're breathing through your nose because you're just... You're holding in what you really want to say and do because you know that if you unleash that, it's not going to do anyone any favours. And this is exactly what James is saying. He's encouraging us to be slow to anger because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Again, we all know this to be true, and yet we all fail at it time and time again. I know that I do. Some of you may be more fiery than others, but you will know from first-hand experience whether you are the perpetrator or the recipient, a word or action done in anger, whether that's in person or online, never results in wholeness, peace, and joy. In fact, it often makes the problem worse. It's not what God wants for us. And so James encourages us in our spiritual detox to get rid of all the nasty stuff in our life that causes us to fall into bad habits, the ways of the world. And I love the way that um, James puts it. He says, get rid of all the moral filth. I like that. 
phrase, the moral filth and evil that's so prevalent. And instead of that, he says, humbly embrace the words of life, joy and freedom that God has spoken over us through Jesus, whose blood speaks a better word, a better way than the wisdom of the world. And just like active listening, this requires an effort on our part. It requires us to give our full attention to God's word and seek to understand it. James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James is nothing but practical. And for those of us that like people who are practical, like practical advice, James is the book for you. He's no nonsense, James. Get on and do it, yeah? Don't just listen to it. Do what it says. So he then compares someone who hears the words of life but doesn't put them into action, like someone who looks briefly into a mirror and then forgets what they look like. And Janine did a brilliant uh, bit at the beginning where she talked about her relationship with the mirror, and I'm sure many of you could resonate with that. Now, this illustration of the mirror is not as powerful as it once was because we own multiple mirrors. We've got selfie mode on our phones, and some of us use them excessively. Um, And we've got plenty of photos of ourselves scattered around to choose from. But back in James's day, funnily enough, they didn't have cameras or mobile phones. Only the wealthy were able to have their portrait painted, and not many possessed mirrors. So if you did come across a reflective surface or a mirror, you'd get a quick glance at yourself before having to move on. And so it would be easy to miss or forget all the details. And had we spent a little more time looking and paying attention, we'd most likely have seen that bit of broccoli stuck in our teeth. James uses this illustration to warn people not to treat God's word like this, to give it a quick glance every now and then, but not really spend any time truly meditating on it, chewing it over, asking God to show us its hidden treasure and allowing it to transform our lives. I think what Janine said about what she does with her mirror with the Bible verses, you know, tucked into it is brilliant. I mean, that is just great, just to remember those truths before heading out of the door in the morning. And you may remember that when we looked at the Psalms, we were really encouraging you to really meditate and chew on the words of those Psalms. And, you know, just looking at Exodus chapter 34 last term, we looked at those same few verses for a couple of months and the deeper and more regularly you go back to something the the more work is done inside of us the more that word um, has an influence on us and um, I just want to read what Janine referenced earlier about Joshua chapter one which says um, keep this book of the law always on your lips Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. 
then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, we all know that those of us that follow the Lord and put our trust in him and read his word don't always get worldly success. That's not a, um, a byproduct, but we are blessed when we do these things uh, by God. And James says that later on in the passage. I liken what James is saying with the mirror illustration a bit like church attendance on a Sunday. It can be a bit like this for some people. It can be a religious tick box. Something I do to say I'm religious. You know, some people might even think that coming on a Sunday, ticking that religious box means I can earn my place. I can get into God's good books. We can turn up, enjoy a religious happy hour, sing the songs, hear the words, and then we dash back into life as normal, going back to our usual ways and habits. And the words of life we've heard just fall away like water off a duck's back. But James is keen to encourage us to slow it down, to be still and to know our God. He encourages us to look intently, he says, into the perfect law. That is the word of God, the good news of Jesus Christ that brings freedom and to allow it to penetrate our lives so that we experience that wholeness and blessing as we put it into action, as we live its wisdom out. And sometimes, like looking at the words of James, it's not going to be easy looking into this mirror of truth. It may expose some of our flaws, our hypocrisy, our brokenness, our sin. But we need to see this in order to see our need for Jesus so that we might humbly accept James says the word of God planted in us which can save us we remember from our series on Ephesians that God is calling us to a new life a new birth through Jesus by the work of his spirit and we are encouraged to leave our old, worldly, destructive ways and embrace the life-giving ways of Jesus. To take off the old clothes, do you remember that analogy? To take off the old clothes and start wearing the new clothes that we've been given that bring life, joy, freedom and wholeness. And this new life, it's a gift that we receive freely and humbly from God. Paul said in Ephesians that it's by grace that we have been saved. Grace through faith. And this is not from ourselves. It is a gift from God. It's not by works so that none of us can boast. We are God's handiwork, he says. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared for us to do. 
For James, those that are truly righteous, truly religious, in the best sense of the word, because religious has some bad connotations, doesn't it, when you hear that word. But to be truly religious for James is not those who attend church once a week for a religious happy hour and then behave how they like the rest of the week with no concern for others. That's not what it's like. No, to be truly religious for James are those who actively listen to God's word, his wisdom, and follow it, put it into action, whose words match their actions and vice versa, whose heart, as we sung earlier, beats with their heavenly fathers and embraces the good works which God has prepared for them to do. James talks about looking intently into the perfect law. And in chapter 2, verse 8, he expands this further by encouraging us to obey the royal law, which is loving God with all that we are, body, mind, soul, everything we possess, and loving our neighbours as we love ourselves. And so he ends this section by saying, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, you might sort of think to yourself, it's a strange way to end the passage, and why just orphans and widows? Well, um, in those times, they didn't have the welfare system that we have here, that we're so blessed to have here. If you were orphaned or widowed, and you didn't have much money, you weren't getting much help. As a result, you were more vulnerable to being used and abused and taken advantage of as you sought to look after yourself. And James references such acts later on in his letter. It was very, very difficult for orphans and widows in particular. And so James essentially says to us this in the words of N.T. Wright. He says, all right, you want to follow God. Here's how. There are people out there who really need your help. And there is a messy world out there that will try to mess, you, mess your life up as well. Make sure you focus on the first and avoid the second. So let's heed James's advice today. Let's be a people who look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. And let's continue in it, not forgetting what we've heard, but putting it into action. And as we do this, we will be blessed in what we do.